Blog Talk Radio. This is KWAD Radio. Is anyone there? I hope it didn't like. 
Patty? Oh, there you are. Can you hear me? I can. Oh, good. I had a new headset because I left my other one out, so unfortunately didn't get to the right place. So, uh, okay, hang on here. This is KWOD Radio, and this is Patty Holstrand, and we are suffering a little bit of a issue with our new head, our new headset here. So we're off and running. It's Wednesday now, and it's home day. Thank goodness. We're halfway through our week, and we're on today with T.M. Lewis, also known as Tina, who's a local Arizona author, brand new. She's got a new book out, Bohemian Grove. And if at any time today you have a question for her, I have a call number, 714-242-5145. Or if you're shy and just want to, you know, listen and offer comment or or uh, a question, then definitely fill in the chat below the information about the episode. Tina. Yes. We're off and running. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so give us a little bit, of a little bio about you. Um, well, I've been writing for about 14 months now, and uh, I've sort of come up with a nickname as Accidental Writer, actually, my best friend has, because I was taking a bath one night a little over a year ago, and I was listening to a song on the radio and kind of inspired this image of this woman and decided to just write it down in a in a quick short story and and share it with my best friend at the time and it turned into a full-length novel about a woman named Carter and uh, discovered at that point that I absolutely love writing and have been writing like mad since then I've written my first book uh, Bohemian Grove which is part of a trilogy I already almost completed my second one part of that trilogy uh, written a novella called Undead Winter, and so it's just been kind of thrown into this world of authors and writers, and and uh, that's pretty much my bio as far as my books go. <laughs> I have read something about that you're you don't consider yourself a sci-fi geek, but your friends kind of point out that that you do uh, sci-fi geeky things. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I you know, I think I consider a sci-fi geek as somebody who's completely immersed in the world of science fiction. But then I find myself, you know, I I went to the Star Trek convention, I put on the uniform, I took pictures with the cast. You know, I'm I'm always watching Star Trek or Star Wars or I'm listening to uh coast to coast radio every single night listening to all the stories out there and and so I guess in an average world I'm definitely a sci-fi geek but I think compared to the sci-fi people out there they would kind of look down and say no 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 you're not but it, it depends on who you are <laughs> <laughs> well in other words there's, there's some that are just so submerged in it that that's, that's all they do they don't really as as they put it don't really have a life outside of uh science fiction exactly <laughs> So there was, there, there was some there was some story about a uh, triple and and uh, your Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah, you... I was um, I was walking around the convention and uh, my I saw uh, Brent Spinner who played Data, who's my favorite character on on Next Generation, and I was just kind of watching, you know. Jonathan Frakes and them interact with everybody, you know, stargazing. And this lady next to me wanted to take a picture of him, so she handed me the Tribble that she had. And they were selling Tribbles at, at the convention, which, if you're familiar with the original Star Trek, is part of the original Star Trek show. So I was holding the right. Tribble, and he held it, his hands and wanted me to throw it to him. So I threw him the Tribble. Fortunately, I didn't, you know, hit him in the face or anything, which is probably what I normally would have done because I have really bad aim. And he caught it, and I just I kind of went into ballistic teenage girl mode, like, oh, my God, I just threw a triple to Data, and I went a little insane. So I think that qualifies <laughs> me as a sci-fi geek just there. <laughs> yeah, if you go if you go crazy with, with one of the stars, yeah, that kind of makes you a sci-fi geek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you say you think that, uh, you're, that your writing, Bohemian Grove, isn't overly science fiction. What are you What are you basing that on? It's, um, you know, it, it 
it doesn't take place in outer space or, you know, on a spaceship or anything like that. It's a very uh, down-to-earth, a very almost realistic type story. It's about a woman who discovers that she's a descendant of the Anunnaki line, and she's a very human person living a very human life, and it kind of mixes in with the world of um, of secret societies and some of the the theories that are out there. So it's it's science fiction because she is Anunnaki, and Anunnaki's are alien. But it's not really science fiction as in it it's really out there kind of fantasy type science fiction. It's more science fact based than it is science fiction based. Okay. Uh, you would say there's any fantasy elements uh, as part of this story? There is um, a little bit of a, in the first book, there's a little bit of a paranormal uh, element to it. It's, you know, there's certain things that happen without giving too much of the story away where it you can tell it's not, it, it's more paranormal, like sounds and, and things happening. You're like, okay, that doesn't really make sense. The second book in the trilogy gets a little, dies a little bit more into the whole science fiction element of it, of the, you know, the, the weird things that can happen. And, and by the time you get into the third book, you're definitely getting a lot of that experience. So I think when people read the first book, it sets it up for the second and third book more than anything. And so you won't get a lot of the elements in there because you're getting the history of Carter. You're finding out a lot of information, and, and then you delve, you delve into it in the second and third book more. Hmm. So you were you were compelled to write the first book, but did you at the time set up uh, the other the other books behind it and kind of the, they you know maybe storyboard them, or did you just sit down and write you know by the seat of your pants? I literally wrote by the seat of my pants. I there was times when I was writing where something would happen in the story that I I was surprised by. I was like, wow, I didn't. I had no idea I was going in that direction with the story. Um, in fact, I was't—I was about 40 pages into the book before I even knew it was a science fiction book. It started off being something completely entirely different. And once I realized I wanted to write an Anunnaki-based story, it kind of took off from there. And now I obviously—now I, I definitely have an idea of the entire story. But there's still a part of it. A huge—I don't know exactly how I'm going to end it yet. I have different roads I can go down. Um, I haven't decided. I have to see the flow of the story first. And I didn't storyboard at all because I kind of wanted the story to take on a life of its own, which is what it did. And even my publisher has commented and said, you have your muse. Your muse has been talking to you and giving you this information of what you need to write the story. And and there's times where I keep writing and I got writer's block, and halfway through I had to go back and rechange the whole story because it it completely didn't work. So, you know, it's a trial and error process. I haven't done this before, um, but I'm really excited about the story and excited about where it's going. And, and just like the readers, I'm kind of curious how it's going to end as well. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's interesting. Is that everyone writes differently. You know, we have some uh, authors who they, they have to outline, uh, outline their book before they even start. Um, you know, not that they follow up word for word, but they can get the just a word what direction their story is going to go. And then there's others that, you know, that allow the characters to talk to them. Exactly. Do you, you find that the characters talk to you when you're trying to do other things? Well, I, um, my main character is Carter, and, you know, she's kind of the heroine in the story. There's a couple other main characters in the book, and I've developed the personalities for these characters. So, you know, a lot of times, when I'm writing writing the story, I'm thinking, okay, what would she do? And it's I try to figure out what they would naturally be doing, and I think it works for it. Um, I think that if you plan too much, at least for me, um, then it may not feel as real because if an event happens, I'm thinking exactly what is their reaction going to be to that event, you know, depending on the character. And I, I think it helps that I, I work in a world where I'm dealing with a lot of different types of personalities anyway, um, where I get to see how different people react to things. So, you know, the characters in a way, yes, they do talk to me. They feel very real at this point because I've de- I spend so long developing them. Um, and, you know, t- the way some of them react to sing- things is certainly not how I would react to something, but it's, you know, I think that makes it more real. Okay, so you you would call it, you would, what would you peg your, your uh, series as if you were going into a book? 
or where would you expect it to be? Definitely science fiction. Um, I, I mean, I know that it's kind of on that end of the spectrum of science fiction, but, you know, I think the Anunnaki's right now, the ancient alien theory is something that's really out there, and, you know, she is an alien. You know, it's a different aspect of aliens where we're used to aliens invading Earth-type stories, but it's kind of a very subdued way of aliens kind of being on Earth, and, you know, we you know, I do talk about different planets that they're from and, and different things that they're doing. It's just more of a historical aspect of it. So I definitely think it's in the science fiction section. There's a love story intertwined with it, too, for people who, you know, I know a lot of times I can help the story keep keep going. So, you know, but it's definitely science fiction. It's kind of funny because uh, yeah, I, I was writing a series and uh, I had McCaffrey read it and I said, well, I wasn't sure where to put it, and should I put it in romance because, you know, without the romance, it's not a story, and uh, or should I keep it in science fiction? And he said, science fiction readers like sex too. <laughs> <laughs> it's true; they like love and the whole thing. It's it's more of the you know the added layer to the story, but the basis of it is science fiction, you know. But it's just it's realistic, and even in our favorites, you know. Science fiction movies and science fiction shows, there's love intertwined with it. So, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> so you you said that you have your first book done, and I read somewhere that you have, that you're already working about halfway through your second book. Can you tell us yeah. a, about what how you how that's working out for you? Um, the second book is called Sungate, and I'm about 200 pages in. The first book is a little bit shorter. It's, it's only about 214 pages. It sets up um, the second book. The second book is probably my favorite that I've written so far. Uh, it's It really gets into the fun stuff. It really, you know, we'd really figure out, um, you know, what's going on. You, you have the high climax of the story put in there. There's a lot of twists in the second book. It was more fun for me to write because we already know who all the characters are. We already know what's going on. So we kind of just... Right off the bat, you know, in the second book, I dive into um, a pretty tragic scene. So it was a very fun book to write. It's it's really starting to flow really well. There's a lot of a um, lot more of the fun science fiction stuff in it. A lot of more paranormal things in it. And um, it was I was at a point where I almost wanted to start with the second book and completely eliminate the first one, but I understood the importance of having the first one book, first book there to set up the second one. Um, mm. Sungate, to me, I think is is where you're really going to get the story, and I think that if people stick through with it, they'll really enjoy what what goes on with the characters. And you said something about a secret society. Uh, you, yes. you have you're getting into uh, obviously. So you you've got the science fiction, but you also got the you know, these uh, conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. Lots and lots of conspiracy theories in, in Bohemian Grove. Um, Bohemian Grove itself is its own conspiracy theory. Bohemian Grove is, um, there's a reporter named Alex Jones who, who wrote about it and did a whole show and documentary on Bohemian Grove where um, it's a secret society that meets in Northern California. And that's basically what the first book is based on is a secret society in California. The only twist I add to it is a secret society is protecting the Anunnaki, um, which is the alien race. So I, I add that twist to it. It's possible because we really don't know what this secret society does. We don't even know anything about them. And um, and so there's a lot of conspiracy theories in it um, twisted into it that politicians are protecting them. You know, there's a lot of underground things happening with protecting the Anunnaki. So it's, um, I had a couple of people compare it to, to Da Vinci Code because there's a lot of real theories and, and things happening in the story that you kind of look up, you're like, wow, this is actually something that people talk about. So I, I really want to twist that in there and kind of make people think about the possibilities of what could happen. Well, it sounds like you've got some really cool things coming up. Uh, you've got uh, another ebook novella that you wrote. Yes. Uh, Undead Winter. Tell us about that. Undead Winter is a horror thriller about zombies, and I was reading World War Z, um, and went to sleep that night, and of course had a nightmare, and woke up and wrote that nightmare down 
actually on my Facebook, just wrote the the first, wrote it as kind of a, a story, and had a lot of people message me and ask me to finish the story. I'm like, well, it's a nightmare. I don't I don't really know what happened. I woke up, and I just kept writing the story um, and just wanted to see what people thought about it, and it ended up turning into a novella. And I've had a lot of people come back and say, let's turn this into a full length novel. Uh, my publisher, I'm probably going to work with my publisher on getting that completed after the Sungate, and had a director, <clears throat> Bijou Viswanath, who's an international film director, award-winning, contact me after reading it online and said he would like to co-write a manuscript with me or co-write a screenplay with me um, based on what he wrote or read about that, that book. So it's it's kind of interesting that it happened the way it did. It was literally just a nightmare that turned into a story. Um, mm. It's completely different from Bohemian Grove. Bohemian Grove is, you know, written in third person, where Undead Winter is written in, in first person, and it's uh, it's a really, really dark novel. I had to keep stepping away from it because I was getting too engrossed in the story. But it's completely different. I'm not even somebody who reads zombie books, so it, it was odd <laughs> that I even wrote one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Well, it's interesting you you talk about first person and third person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find that usually authors are pretty, pretty comfortable in one or the other. How how right. are you feeling about that? Um, I think it depends on on the story. For Undead Winter, it it had to be written in in first person. It's what worked for the story. And I find that for me, I write in first person much easier. It's it's simpler for me. It makes more sense. Um, but you also have less freedom because you're only you only have one perspective. Right. Um, for, for Bohemian Grove, I think for the story, we kind of wanted to to pull ourselves away from the character a little bit and see her from a different perspective. Um, so that perspective worked for that story. As far as which one I'm comfortable with, I'm more comfortable with first person, but I think that it depends on the story what I should be writing in. So I do go back and forth. Now, your publisher that you picked is is ebook publisher, or they do both print and both. ebook? No, both. Okay, so the Bohemian Grove is in both print and in ebook right now. Correct. Okay, very good. I uh, just wanted to let the, the listeners know. I know I've I've already mentioned this on Facebook, but uh, Ms. Williams is going to be our guest, our participant on uh, at Leprechaun Thirty Nine. Uh, over Mother's Day weekend this year in May, 9th through 12th. So if you're in Mesa or in anywhere around, or even in outlying, uh, you know, states and can come in and, and meet her, definitely do so. Just wanted to let everyone know that this is the first of many Leprechaun 39-oriented uh, interviews we will be doing in the next uh, month and a half, leading up to our big day, which, of course, is opening day for Leprechaun. So uh, we were talking about uh, your first book, and it sounds what you're working on next is apparently going to be your uh, you know, finishing your Sungate and then working it on the screenplay with for the Undead, Win- Undead Winter. Correct. Do you have any other projects that you're thinking about doing after that? Um- yeah, we're, I'm going to turn Undead, Undead Winter into a full-length novel um, after Sungate, and then once Undead Winter is complete, I will jump right into finishing the third book in the trilogy for Bohemian Grove. Um, I do have a couple other stories in mind. Um, I'll, I'll be going back and forth with my publisher to see which one to put out, a um, couple of other stories that I already started writing. I don't know at this point which one we're going to go forward with, but... Um, the goal is to finish the trilogy, turn the Undead Winter into the novel, and also to work on the screenplay with the director, which um, those will probably keep me pretty busy. <laughs> now, you're talking about your characters, and you said that uh, while you uh, while you you seem to be Carter to you, uh, but you also have other characters that definitely aren't anything like you. Right. Um, and even with Carter, I, I've i had some people say she reminds them of me. I've had other people say she reminds them nothing of me. And I've, 
I purposely try not to put myself in the stories, but I think it's inevitable. You, you just can't help it. it you're, some certain things you do are just going to end up in the character. Um, I have two main characters, male characters, in Bohemian Grove, and um, I've had people say that one of the characters is my husband, and I didn't even realize that until the book was completed. So it, it's interesting because I try to keep them really different. Um, I do end up basing a lot of my characters on people I know in real life because I do know some colorful people who who have interesting lives and have interesting reactions to things, and I think they're fascinating, and I think they do make great characters, so I put them in, in my book. I have somebody I knew, and I called him a little bit crazy, so he actually you know, plays a protagonist in my book, and I even use a lot of the things he used to say to me in real life, quotes and stuff, and put them into the character because they were so outlandish that I wanted to incorporate <laughs> that. And it, was, it made it more realistic, but yeah, you'll, you'll see if you know my circle of friends, you read my book, you'll say, oh, that's that person, and you'll be able to point it out. <laughs> Did you have any problem figuring out what the names should be? Did you give um, your characters you know, uh, some kind of a, a character analysis? I didn't. I, I've i been fortunate. I think I just have so much going through my head. I think by the time I got to Undead Winter, I did, because start, I started to run out of names and people. Um, but with Bohemian Grove, the character list isn't, too extensive. It's the main characters are less than a dozen people, so there wasn't too many people in there. I do try to base the characters um, on historical facts. So, for instance, one of um, the characters is is from Africa. So I try. I looked up African names and try to figure out what different names and stuff meant. So I try to try to make it as realistic as possible. Did my research and try to use real names and and things that make sense. Because I know there's people that are going to read the book and say, no, that's not accurate, and I didn't want that to happen. So I did try to do some research and see what are traditional names in different cultures and stuff. That's, that's good. So take us into, you know, I need to understand a little more about where your influences were for writing. Did you read um, a lot when you were young? I I read a lot now. Um, my two main influences, I think, are, are of course, I do read a lot and the main one, I think, would be music. Uh, Bohemian Grove, like I said, was stemmed from a song. I was listening to a song and thought of this woman and wrote the story. And then when I'm writing, I have to have music on my headphones that I'm listening to. And it depends on what I'm writing. I'll play different music. If I'm writing something kind of dark, I'll have to put something a little bit dark on. You know, if I'm if I'm writing a happy scene, I'll put something a little bit more upbeat on. And the music definitely shapes how I write and what I write. And the stories, I read a lot of books. I I love, love reading. And I look at the the authors I love to read and say, what is it about their books I love to read? Why do I like their books so much? And definitely try to have that be my coach and teach me what I need to do. So is there any favorite authors that you have that you can share with us? That's like asking me what my favorite child is. <laughs> um, it depends. I have um, I have certain authors that I'm always on their list of pre-orders where no matter what book they're writing, I want to read what's coming out next. Rochelle Mead, Dan Brown, uh, Jennifer Armentrout, those are a couple of the authors, Dean Coates, um, that I love when they have a book coming out. I'm, you know, it's pre-ordered on Amazon, so as soon as it comes out at midnight, I know it's, it's, I have it and I can read it. Um, other authors, I, I'm always going to different people, like, what are you reading? Uh, I want to see what you're reading. I'm on Goodreads all the time to see what's getting you know, some hype, to see what, what's out there, try something new. Um, I'm always trying out new, different authors. I read a lot of self-published authors. Um, so it depends. It depends. I read a lot. Good. You do. Do you write directly to your computer, or do you handwrite it and then, and then uh, typeset it in? No, I do write directly to my computer. Um, I yeah, I write directly to my computer, and I usually don't even worry about edits until the story is completely done, or if I'm kind of having a moment's writer's block, I'll go back and add it. But as soon as I can, I write it down in, in you know Word doc and and put it in there. So do you write, uh, do you watch any television? Do you think there's anything that influences you there, or is it just strictly books that you're interested in? Um, I do watch television. I watch Star Trek all the time. Um, and uh, I do watch a lot of documentaries. In fact, I was watching a documentary yesterday on 
on different theories about the shape of the universe. And it was incredible because I kind of was missing an element to the second book, and I didn't know what to do with it. And they said a couple of things on the way the universe, the theories of the way the universe is created. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. That's what I need for my book. So I write, I do read a lot or watch a lot of documentaries. I watched, I've probably seen every single ancient alien uh, documentary on, on TV. I watch a lot of History Channel and get a lot of the information from there. Um, and I do try to read a lot of books based on ancient aliens too because that's what I'm writing on. So I try to put a lot of accurate information in there as far as what I have. So I do watch a lot of documentaries based on that kind of information. Awesome. So uh, now that you're a published author, how does it feel? Does it feel weird? <laughs> it feels surreal. I, I have, a lot of people say, how does it feel? I'm like, I don't think it's really hit me yet because it's never been a path I, I was interested in going down. I always was a reader. I was never a writer. I've never even wrote a blog until recently and and I and I knew from people I've known that have written books or just from hearsay that becoming published or becoming an author is such a long process for people and it usually takes years and years. And the fact that it only is within less than a year and a half that this has all happened, it kind of makes my head spin. And and I you know, I'm learning as I go along. I you know, I when I started I didn't even know the difference between first person and third person. Um, just knew the basics of what I learned in school. And and so I don't think it's hit me yet. Um, it's a surreal experience. I'm completely humbled by it. And, you know, I still don't consider myself a writer. I consider myself more of a storyteller. I think I have great stories to tell. I'm still working on the writing aspect of it. Um, so people like great stories, and I hope they like my story. But, you know, as far as writing, I'm not. I'm not nowhere near my potential as far as that comes yet. Well, you know, it's it's like anything. You you need to keep learning. Yeah. And you know, and, and once you say you're thought you you know everything, then you definitely don't. You know. That's, exactly. That's the way it is. You can't you can't say that you're done. So, uh, say walk us through. Um, you've got your inspiration for your music. Mm-hmm. But what's your one thing uh, that you're most proud of in your life? Oh, that's easy, my son. I know it's cliche um, to say that, but he is, he's everything to me. And he's such an easygoing, good kid, four years old. I'm a stay-at-home mom, and, um, you know, it, it's it, easily, he's the thing I'm most proud, the person I'm most proud of, the thing I'm most proud of in my life is, is my son. And um, my husband's, of course, my best friend and stuff, so I have... Um, really good relationships around me. I'm surrounded by really incredible people. I have some fantastic friends and people that support me. Um, so besides my son being somebody I'm most proud of, which I think is an obvious answer, besides that I think it's the circle of people I have around me that I'm most proud of because I think I am surrounded by such incredible individuals. And I know a lot of people aren't fortunate to have that, so that's something else I'm also proud of. So what does your family think about your writing? Um they're proud of me. I'm an only child, so I think that kind of they're proud of everything I do anyways. Um my my mom and dad uh they they always said, "Well, you're a creative person. You should be pursuing your creativeness." And you know, I grew up as an artist as far as painting is what I did, but I never enjoyed it. And my mom used to keep telling me, "You know, you should be doing something that's involving your creativity." And you know, I kind of brushed it off. And my dad always said the same thing: "You know, you should be doing something creative. That's what you do." And I always brushed it off. And so I think they're kind of relieved at this point that I found something I'm so <laughs> passionate about that's creative because they kind of been rooting for that anyway. There you go. That and that's great. It does help to have a supportive uh, family unit and and friends around you that that can. Uh, share in excitement at the moment. I did see that you had a lot of people who congratulated you in the last few days for your yes. for your new book. And, of course, you've got an event coming up tomorrow. You want to tell us yes. about that? Yes, it's uh, my book release party. It's being hosted at my absolute favorite restaurant, um, Pars Persian Cuisine. It's going to be in East Scottsdale on Frank Lloyd Wright. It starts at 6 p.m. We'll have books there as well, but there's going to be really fantastic food. Um, if you want directions or more information, my website, theaccidentalwriter.com, has information under the events. 
Uh, so it starts at 6 p.m., come out, meet me, it'll be fun, casual, um, you'll get good food and stuff with it too. We also have a website for you as the author. Yes, uh, com. And where else can they find you, like on Facebook? I'm on Facebook. Uh, my Facebook fan page is TM Williams Author. Um, and also I have my books are on Amazon, and I'm also a Goodreads author, so you can find both books on Goodreads as well. Um, Bohemian Grove and Undead Winter are both on Amazon and uh, Goodreads. Very good, very good. And, of course, there's, I'm sure there's a link from your website to those locations. Exactly, yes. Very good. And I know you had uh, some other things on your website. Uh, walk us through what they'll find on your website when they get there. Um, the website will talk about, of course, um, Bohemian Grove. You'll also get kind of the synopsis for Sungate on there as well. Um, it also has, if I have any kind of giveaways that I'm doing, which I am doing a giveaway on Goodreads right now, that will be on my website. Um, I have a guest book there. I'm, I love to give things away, and I love to give gifts to people, so there's always some sort of giveaway running on the website. Um, so if you're signing in on the guest book, then you'll automatically be entered into giveaways. I have information on upcoming projects as well as links where you can buy the products directly from my website. Um, Bohemian Grove, of course, if you bought it on Amazon, it wouldn't be a signed copy. But if you went to my website and ordered it from there, you would be getting a signed copy. And did you have any uh, – I've had somebody who asked me this question I usually ask, and they caught maybe ahead of time. Uh, if you have to do any research for for this particular book? I had to do, and I continuously have to do, a ton of research for it because I do try to have – there's a lot of science in it, um, which I think might surprise some people. It's actual real science. And so I'm constantly doing research on the science of things. I'm doing research also on the Anunnaki theory or the ancient alien theory. So there's two different aspects I'm doing research on. Um, right now in my second book, I'm talking a lot about DNA manipulation. And I'm not a scientist, so of course I'm doing research on that and trying to figure out best ways to explain things. I'm also talking about the shape of the universe in the second book, so I'm doing research on the different theories. Um, there's, you know, different philosophies. I'm watching different documentaries based on it. So there's a ton of research for both or both books so far. And one of the things that I love about my trilogy is that while you're reading the book is that if you come across something that sounds, you know, interesting and you google it chances are it's a real scientific theory or it's a real conspiracy theory so i I did intertwine a lot of real stuff into my book which i really wanted to do just so everybody know there's a diff uh putting her facebook page on the bottom of the chat as well as the trilogy website page this is a little different than her other one Mm -hmm. so that way you guys have uh, multiple locations to find uh, her work at Yes, Bohemian Grove has its own fan, fan page. Yeah, yeah. And if you go to her, uh, you know, Facebook page, you're able to get over to those other the, the other pages that she has there. So, have you uh, fulfilled your dreams when you come to uh, as a result of writing? I think that you know, I'm 34 years old, and I've kind of been all over the place my entire life. Um, I've become almost a black sheep in my family because I didn't have any direction on what I was doing. I've been in business for 15 years, so that was kind of what I was always doing anyway. But I think I was kind of always missing something. And you can tell because I always have my hands in different pots. I was, you know, jack of all trades, and, you know, I really didn't master any of those trades. But I think that with my writing is the first time in my entire life that I found something that I love drowning and immersing in. And when I start writing, I could easily write for hours and hours and hours and not even realize the time has gone by. So I think that's a pretty good indicator that I enjoy what I'm doing. I don't foresee me stopping anytime soon. I feel like I write one story and ten more ideas pop up. So, you know, there's there's a lot in my head that I still want to put on paper. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, absolutely found something I'm passionate about. Now, I saw you down in Tucson this weekend. Yes, we were, we were down at Tucson Festival of Books, everyone, and it was it was a weird weekend to speak because <laughs> of the weather. 
Uh, here we are in Arizona, and yet the, the weather just did not seem to be coming or going. We weren't sure what it was doing. Uh, so it was uh, an off weekend because of it, but I uh, got a chance to, to meet this young lady. And uh, what did you think about the festival? Is that the first time you've been there? It was my first time there. It's my first time at any sort of book festival. I was a little overwhelmed. Um, <laughs> I I couldn't believe um, how much there was. I, it was an endless festival of books. And I think it just kind of reminded me that I'm just this little tiny fleck in this really huge ocean. And there's just so much out there. And I kind of, you know, like I said, I feel like an amateur because I've only been doing this for a short time. And here's people who have been writing for years and years and years, and they really know what they're doing. So I was walking around pretty timid. And, and for those that know me know I'm not a timid person. And I was overwhelmed. Um, the weather was awful. Um, which is weird. I mean, we don't have awful weather here, but I know, I know. It, and just let everybody know, it, it, I was there on Friday for the uh, for the steampunk convention down in Old Tucson, and uh, the weather was was chasing me all the way to Tucson. Yeah. And then I get out of the car and I got hit with this sleet. I mean, we're talking about you know uh, really cold rain. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and I, that was awful. It was awful, and that was just beginning of the weekend. So I went to spend the night there on, on Friday night, and because my family's like, "Well, hey, I think we heard it's going to snow in Tucson," and I, I said, "Well, I wouldn't be surprised, and considering you know the the up and down, the, how cold it was outside." And then uh, next morning, actually weird because I had to get to Tucson Festival at six in the morning. I had to be in queue, ready to, and that's before it's even light. So. Uh, but yet it was warm enough, and that's a weird, strange thing. Here it was freezing cold the night before. I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be just god awful the next morning before before light even. And yet it was it was it was dusky, you know, kind of like it was not that cold at all. And then uh, and it got cold as soon as it got the you know, sun came out. Then it got cold. It's not supposed to work that way. <laughs> <laughs> And it was coming in and out all day, and and we were rained on, and and so it, you know, uh, you think as you know, all the people still came out. We're so happy to have them all, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, a lot of families had to you know take off when the when it started getting real cold and the rain started again. Uh, that you know, Sunday was a lot better day. Uh, it, it didn't rain at all. The uh, it got really really windy in the out, late afternoon. Uh, so, you know, that was not too good because it was going all different directions. But uh, it kept knocking over all of everybody's stuff. <laughs> but, you know, you got to make it do because it's an outdoor event. Yeah, and books don't do so well in, in rain either. So. No, no. But, uh, you know, I've to, I, that's why I pulled my books way in the back of the tent. But uh, those who had their books right up in front, they had kept having to, you know, to cover them up or move everything. And that's all they got done doing was moving things around to make sure that they didn't get too wet. Uh, sometimes there's just no choice. It was going to get wet no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, they they were expecting 120,000 people. I don't think they met it uh, because of the rain and because of the weather, uh, which is a real shame. But, yeah, it is huge. It's a long, uh, long, a lot of people to look at and, uh, I think it's gotten to the point where you know they should probably cut it off and not have any more growth uh, because you can't get to it all. Yeah, you, you really can't. Yeah. So, uh, did you happen to, to meet any of the authors that are out there? Um, I I did walk around and I talked to a couple of the authors. I did see you know there was uh, Jody Picoult was there and I. The line was, you know, of course, like two miles long, and uh, in the rain, people were waiting in the rain <laughs> to meet Jody Picoult. So I kind of did that whole stargazing, you know, watching and everything. It was just kind of in awe that to see different authors and, and some people with more followings than others. So I did walk around, meet some of the authors. Some were self-published, some were new authors, and you know, just asked them about the book. I was there more as a reader, really, than anything. Just kind of take it all in and observe as much as I can. I didn't. I didn't talk to anybody as me as an author. I was there as a reader. So, <laughs> yeah, it's always good to you know find out about your industry. And uh, you kind of did it opposite way, where you you wrote the book and then and then you're trying to find out about all yeah. this stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that's me doing everything backwards. <laughs> <laughs> so, is there a message 
in your book that you w- want your readers to kind of grasp? Um, I think that, you know, by nature I'm always going to try to empower people. And um, Carter goes through a journey, uh, one where she really has to find her strength and really has to decipher what's right and what's wrong because there are a lot of lies and there's a lot of kind of backstabbing that happens. So she she has to learn how to deal with that, and she has a lot of weight on her shoulders. And I think that people will relate in that aspect, and they'll want to see how she handles it because a lot of times we figure out who we are when we're faced with adversity. And, and she certainly is coming across that and, and trying to figure that out um, and, in the end, you know, I I will never write a weak female character. That's really important to me. I'm always going to write a strong, empowering female character. And we get to see that where, you know, she starts off as a strong person anyways, but we really see that growth and what happens and that she will maintain that integrity throughout the story that I'll promise. And, and we get to see that growth. So, you know, it's, I think it will be great for women. Um, of course, I think it'll be great for everybody, but that's one of the things is, is strong empowering, empowering woman is is going to be a key to my story. That's terrific. That's terrific. And uh, yeah, it's all about strong female characters. Uh, let's talk a bit about your fan conventions. Uh, is Leprechaun 39 going to be your first fan, fan convention? Um, yeah, Leprechaun is going to be um, my first one. I'm still working on a couple of other ones. Um, I have some that are, are working on trying to squeeze me in, so I don't want to announce that quite yet until it's official, but there's probably going to be about three or four more this year. Um, and then I'm I'm going to try to go to the big book convention in New York City um, in June. So there's there's a couple of things down the line on my website. I have an events tab. So once I get word that those things are official, I will put them on the site. But until then, it's I don't say anything until it's official. Yeah, I, I, you're talking about Bia, right? Yes. Yeah. You think you think the festival this weekend was was huge? You're going to yeah, be. I know that's going to be even bigger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a shock to the system when you when you go to Bia. Uh, there, there's no possible way you can go through everything, and, and again, they got just walking through the uh, the many hordes of, of, of book vendors and, and and publishers. They're just astounding. Uh, yeah. They give give their giveaways of free books. You can't possibly fit into another suitcase. I mean, you have to take another suitcase just to be able to, you know, to to pick one up and be able to take with you. Um, it's just it's amazing. I went to my first year when I was. Uh, Became a publisher for the first time and thought, you know, I wanted to. I was shopping uh, a calendar and a couple other, a couple other books um, with distributors, and so I wanted to go there and and, and do some business. And it, it was just, it was so many uh, different levels of uh, vendors. So yeah, go without with with open eyes, knowing that that's going to happen. So, okay, well, uh, what do you prepare? I'll prepare for it. But I don't know how prepared I can be, though. <laughs> I think Leprechaun's a good good start for you because you know we're t- talking about you know four to five hundred people, so uh, that's going to be you know an easier startup I think than starting with uh, you know Comic Con or, or or especially being walking into Bia. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And that comes first, anyways. The other ones are are in the summer. So. There you go. So we're, we're happy to have you, of course, and. Uh, looking forward to getting you involved in the cons and and seeing you know get, getting your name out there. That's what it's all about. Yeah, and as a sci-fi geek, I'll admit it. I'm excited about the cons too, in a different aspect as well. So. Yeah, yeah. That's why I said you, you haven't gone as a fan yet. So that's interesting that you're going right in as an author. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I got one final question for you. And this is a question okay. I ask, especially those who, who've never interviewed with me. And the question is, now that you have successfully slain the dragon, how will you celebrate? Um, I will celebrate by what I love to do is just keep writing. <laughs> um, of course, I have my book release parties, so my friends and family will be there. So, you know, that will be fun. But I think um, the best way for me to celebrate is just kind of build up on it and take what's happening and just – go with the momentum that I have going right now and then keep writing and keep producing books because I know that, 
you know, you want to, once you get people's attention, you want to keep that attention. So that's what I'm working on, um, you know, and, and celebrate that way and just, you know, kind of stare at my book in awe. There you go. She's going to enjoy it and she's going to bask in the glow and then she's going to keep writing. So that's what we like yeah. to hear. <laughs> exactly. So with that, I'm going to I'm going to say it's been really a pleasure talking to you. And again, once the show's over, it will be recorded for prosperity, and I'll be able to hand you the code, and you can put it on your website. Thank and you. For, and for those who missed the show, that's cool. It's fine because even though it's live right now, it goes into archive mode, and you guys can listen to it at your leisure. If you, especially if you missed the beginning. Um, and Mr. Any, anything of the conversation, you can go back and listen to it at uh, whenever you want to. So that's what's great about you know, being able to do this on a radio. So, uh, anything else you want to say? You want to say goodbye? You want to, you know? Oh, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I had a great time, and look forward to seeing you at the next con. Yes, we'll see her at Leprechaun. So everybody got to come out and and uh, her in person. Thank you. I'm going to put you on hold, and, and I'll talk to you soon, okay? Sounds good. Thank you. That was Tina Williams, and I'm going to go on a slight break here real fast and be right back in a minute. 